Our church is founded on the missional principle of proclaiming the kingdom of God with an anticipation of Christ's soon return. Kind of sounds a little snazzy and maybe even slick to a degree. But its mission is born out of the heart of the Lord who directs all of his people of all time to enter into this critical mission. God's kingdom is key whether we call it the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom, or Christ's kingdom. It all leads, at the end of the day, to the same thing, and that is God himself. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is, then, how important is the kingdom of God to me? Right? Uh, some of you have, may have never heard this, this idea, kingdom of God. What are you talking about? The kingdom of God. How important is the kingdom of heaven or the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of our Christ? How important is this to you? Now, if you say, well, it really doesn't matter to me because I've never heard this before. It sounds like you're, 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 you're preaching or you're talking about strange things. So it really doesn't matter to me anyway. Well, if you say that it doesn't matter to you, then you either have a problem with your heart or a problem with your smarts. If it doesn't matter, you have a problem with your heart or a problem with your smart. It's a problem with your heart if it doesn't matter to you because it matters to Jesus. There's a problem with your smarts because you may not know. You may not have an opportunity to have been introduced or understand this type of doctrine. But you should care, and it does matter, again, because it matters to the Lord. Now, as this concept of the kingdom of God has been introduced in Scripture, we first heard it uh, from John the Baptist, that when he cried out from the wilderness, he cried out saying, prepare ye the way of the, go of the Lord. He, he cried out uh, the kingdom of God. And then even Jesus, as he began his ministry, says he went speaking about the kingdom of God and proclaiming repentance. Now I know that we all are not called to a full ministry or, or full-time ministry. But why not? Why is it the, this idea of ministry itself uh, not become an option for us? Why is it that uh, the Lord never gets an equal level of consideration when we're thinking about what shall I do with the rest of my life? <laughs> In the meantime, however, we should be regularly concerned about the matters of the kingdom, the matter of God's kingdom within our hearts, our minds, and also our actions. 
Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 10. And here's a question for you. Are you able to unlock the secrets of the kingdom of God? Can you unlock the secrets to the kingdom of God? Matthew 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, this is Jesus. He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets, there it is, of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. They don't even understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. You see, there's a difference between Hearing a song and having someone else describe that song to you. There is a total difference between hearing the music for yourself and having someone else break it all down to you technically to tell you this is how it sounds. Much like uh, many of the songs that you may or may not have heard uh, from the plays like Hamilton or a new song by your favorite artist. Even though someone tries their best to describe and say, oh man, it was so good. Uh, did you hear the bass? Uh, and did you hear the drummer? He did this, that, and the other. And then the singer, oh man, uh, the, their voice was so smooth and they were so clever and how they put their lyrics together. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But when you hear it for yourself, Right? When you hear the groove that's coming from heaven, all of a sudden now you can begin to bob your head. Right? But when someone is describing the groove to you, you just stand there static. You stand there playing. But when you hear the music, all of a sudden, deep down on the inside, you may get that one foot going. Then next thing you know, your head is bobbing. You're getting into it because you uh, understand, you can hear it for yourself, you can appreciate it for yourself. The issue about the kingdom of God and us is that we hear about it, but it feels as if we are on the outside looking in. See? In other words, the, the, the music of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's playing, but we are tone deaf. 
You hear what I'm saying? The, the music of the kingdom of God is playing right now, but many of us are tone deaf. Uh, we can't lock into the groove. We know that it's going on, but we feel or we sense nothing. So what exactly do I mean by this? Well, here it is, very simple. Have you ever heard the word of God but didn't understand a thing that the preacher was saying? Have you ever heard the word of God, but didn't understand one word that came out of the preacher's mouth. Now, granted, uh, part of the preacher's responsibility is to make the word of God as clear as possible. It is to make sure that he doesn't play any games, that he does not put on a show in order to entertain. Uh, entertainment is not the preacher's responsibility. The preacher's responsibility is to tell you what thus says the Lord. So if you tire of the preacher saying thus says, of, uh, thus says the Lord, then you simply tire of hearing what God has to say. And if you tire of hearing what God has to say, then maybe, just maybe, you have gone deaf to the issues of the kingdom of God. But see, uh, this is one of the reasons I ask myself over and over again as I prepare Sunday after Sunday after su Sunday. I ask myself questions about the clarity of what I'm saying. I ask myself questions that is it true about what I'm saying. I ask myself the question, uh, am I trying to get too fancy? I'm concerned about this. Because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I am faithful and that my hands are clean. But there are other reasons why we're not able to comprehend God's word. You know, uh, some people may br blame the preacher, but you do know that it's not always the preacher's fault. Amen? Jesus tells us that the secrets of the kingdom are meant for some and not for others. There it is. The secrets of the kingdom are meant for some and not for others. Uh, again, Matthew 13, 11. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. What Jesus says there, it, it flies in the face of conventional wisdom, uh, which uh, some say Jesus is acceptable, uh, accessible by all people. But the message of the love of Jesus Christ is for everyone. He doesn't condemn. He brings everyone in. But here... We just read for ourselves that Jesus says that the message of the kingdom uh, will, uh, the secrets of the kingdom will be for some and not for others. Jesus is clear. Some folks will get it and some won't. What about you? Are you getting this? Uh, don't answer me. I don't want you to condemn yourselves. Are, are, are you getting this? And I am going somewhere with this. Uh, but is this because Jesus is biased? He's trying to shut people out of the kingdom of God? Absolutely not. Because scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his be only begotten son, right? God so loved what? Just half of the people on earth? God so loved what? The world. That means everybody in the world. Well, he's not talking about your car. He's not talking about your job. He's talking about you. God so loves you. So the message of the kingdom is for you. 
question is, do you hear it? Will you receive it? But it falls back on what Jesus says, seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Kind of reminds me of being in uh, uh, my first, uh, I was going to say my first couple of weeks in geometry when I was in high school, but I could probably say my first year in geometry in high school. Right? You start talking about this, that, and the other, and, 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 and the teachers start talking about these formulas and congruence and all this other stuff. I'm like, and I just said, you know, I just asked the teacher, I said, look, I thought this was math. Because this don't look nothing like two times two. What, what in the world are you talking about? Right? Uh, so she was talking, right? Uh, and she was talking away and away and over again. And, and, and I did one, one really good thing. I remember when I came out of algebra in my freshman year that my, uh, my, my freshman uh, algebra teacher said, you know what, you need to be in honors geometry. We're going to put you in honors geometry. I said, no, you will not. You will not put me in honors geometry. And then when my mother found out, she was stark raving mad. She said, you did what? I told them, uh-uh, nope, 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 not interested. Don't want to be a mathematician. I want to be a musician. Not interested. For me, that was smart. So, uh, Young people who are in school, go ahead and do what God tells you to do. I'm not, Pastor Spencer is not trying to be a, a bad example to you. Amen. Do what the teacher tells you to do. Learn. But it's sort of like uh, when you hear the message of the kingdom. You know, my wife and I, uh, one year we were, in the, uh, we were in the south of Spain. Like that was like something, yeah, we, we, we vacationed in this. We holidayed in the south of Spain, right? We were in the south of Spain one year. And uh, we had just come, come back from France, and, uh, and my wife was on the balcony off the Mediterranean enjoying the rays. I was inside. I'm like, man, it's too hot. I'm staying inside. So I turned the television on, right, while I'm laying there early in the morning, and I, I see this parade on television, and it's a, a bunch of just military folks just marching, marching. I'm like, what is this? Right? And I'm looking at this thing, and I see some guys marching with axes, some marching with hammers in their hands. And I'm just watching this thing, and I got it on, and I turned the volume up, and they're speaking French. I'm like, well, what is this? And I noticed they had the, uh, the, uh, the Arc de Triomphe there. They were marching through it or whatever it was. I said, oh, so they must be in Paris. And I told my wife, come look at this. Thank goodness we left just in time, right? Uh, so I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to understand. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea. You know what? It doesn't even matter to me, and I just turn that thing off. That's what we do when we hear the message of the kingdom. We see it marching before our eyes, and then we eventually say, let me just turn it off. You see, it requires the spirit of, of the Lord and allowing you uh, to say, yes, Lord, you do a work and help me to understand. So will you understand what the Lord is speaking to you in this series? You must care about your relationship with God. And you must care about how you live as his kingdom citizen. So the explanation of the kingdom of God, uh, what it is, it is a prism with various light rays. Uh, when taken together, it gives us an understanding about God's kingdom. 
And so you got one ray uh, peeking out here. You got one ray here and one ray here and then one ray here. And it's like if you take just one, uh, you just have a very myopic view, a very limited view of the kingdom of God. But this is why Jesus, he constantly says that the kingdom of God is like. Remember last week, Matthew 25, verse 1? The kingdom of, of heaven will be like. You remember that, right? Uh, great message we heard last week. Ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. We heard that. So we hear this repeatedly in Scripture. The kingdom of God is like uh, the man or, or, or the pearl of great price. Will you understand this message of the kingdom? Or will God's message of the kingdom always be at arm's length for you? But first, let's start with the entrance into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is eternal life. The kingdom of God is eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 3. The gospel of John chapter 3, verse 3. And the apostle, he says this. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Uh, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, or if you're familiar with the original text, it says, amen, amen, which means truth, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he or she cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, unless you are born again, uh, you cannot enter, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So uh, to understand the kingdom, we must have an insider's perspective. And to have an insider's perspective, we must be where? On the inside. So first Jesus says that you want to understand uh, all these concepts about the kingdom. Uh, are you on the inside? In Matthew 13 we heard that only those who are on the inside will have the opportunity to know about the kingdom of God, right? Uh, remember Jesus, he was speaking the parables, and his, his disciples said, you know, basically, we don't understand what's going on. And Jesus says, well, you all come inside, and I will tell you privately what it's all about. Uh, but for them, it's not meant for them to know. So they would understand why, again, because they were where? On the inside. Are you on the inside? Are you on the inside or are you a stranger looking in from the outside, wondering what is it all about or maybe not even care? So you must be born again to see or enter God's kingdom. In both of these instances, Jesus is speaking of the same thing. To see the kingdom is to view it from the inside. Uh, Jesus says that we must be born again. 
uh, more specifically, the language in the original text says that we must be born from above. That's what the original text says. The original text says not we must be born again. That's just for us to help us to process it and to understand it a little bit better. The original text says that we must be born from above. Huh. This means that if you are born from above, it cannot happen unless a greater power from above reaches down and grabs you to renew you, to regenerate you, and to pull you up and to rebirth you. So you cannot be born from above unless that greater power comes down from heaven to born you again. So Jesus uses this illustration of being born again to describe this, this spiritual process which otherwise is totally unattainable. At the end of the day, it requires faith. Amen? It requires faith to accept what Jesus teaches and there is no other way around it. You have no other way around it. There are no loopholes. Jesus knew that even after all the illustrations and examples that he would give, uh, that he would supply uh, the kingdom of God and for, uh, and for salvation, some folks just won't get it. That you can preach until uh, uh, the sky turns whatever color it turns. Faith must be in place to make the born from above happen. But the great thing about God's kingdom is that he extends the offer to every person that hears the gospel of the kingdom, and that is the good news. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus says, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Oh, wait a minute, he's adding something else. He's saying that uh, the proclamation of the kingdom of God or the gospel of the kingdom uh, must be proclaimed throughout all the earth and then the end will come. Guess what? We as a church, we take part in bringing the end of times to come to pass. Did you realize that? Did you realize that we as a church, that we are a part to ushering in the end of days? Yes, we are. Every time that you tell someone about Jesus Christ, every time you mention Jesus, every time you speak of salvation, redemption, and generation, every time that you do that, that you are opening your mouth, bringing Jesus closer to wrapping this whole thing up. Proclaiming the kingdom of God with an anticipation of Christ's soon return. Inherent in our mission statement is that we as a church are helping to bring the end sooner. So there is, however, this unbroken connection. Again, when we speak of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel of the kingdom, they're all speaking of the same thing in the same person. You can't hear one without the other. They can't be divorced. They can't be separated. Else you knock God off of his throne and we know that that will never happen. God can never be displaced off of his throne. And we can't go into the Lord's rulership and insist that he change his rules either. We can't tell God, well, you know what, you're talking about your kingdom, but how, however, we want you to change things. 
That would be like someone coming to your house, right? You invited someone to your house, and they come to your house. They said, you know what? I've been to your house before, and before I come next time, I need for you to paint all your walls on your house. Uh, before I come, I need, to, I need for you to make sure that you get some brand new furniture. Because even though your furniture, it is new furniture, I just don't like that old style that you had. I don't like that antique style. I like more modern, nice, clean lines. But before I come to your house, I don't even like your dishes because I remember the last time I was at your house, I picked up a fork and I just thought it was just too short. So can you please get some new plates and forks and cups and things before I get there? And then make sure you, you, all your landscape is straight. Now who's going to allow that to happen before someone visits your home? No one that I know. So we must accept the invitation on God's terms or turn our back on him. And again then, to enter the kingdom of God is to accept the kingdom's gospel. Faith alone in Christ alone. Remember, to be born from above means there must we must have access from above. One from the heavenly court, namely Christ, must reach down and pull us out of the quicksand of sin and darkness, which drags us down and puts us in the gutter further and further away from his kingdom all the time. So, number one, the kingdom of God is eternal life in Christ, number one. Here's number two. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Who can be saved, Jesus? 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. You can't save yourself. And he goes on to say, But with God, what? All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. What you're praying and fasting for, all things are possible with and in and through God. Jesus says, nothing is too hard for him. Verse 27, then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? You see, some folks, they think that uh, when they have heard uh, this aspect of the kingdom of God, that it's otherworldly, that it's always out there, and, and, and one day we will enter into God's kingdom. But first, as we look at our passage, uh, notice that uh, the wealthy people, that they can enter the kingdom of God, and they are not restricted by that wealth. So, folks that got money, don't be mad at them, amen? Right, let's try it one more time. People that have money, don't be mad at them. Amen? Don't be jealous. Amen? They can also make it into the kingdom of God. And we're going to pray that they will. Amen? However, 
there it is, it is especially difficult for them to do so, to make it into heaven, because of their reliance upon their money. I got money, I can get anything and everything I want. So why do I need Jesus? For other folks, it's not just about money. Uh, you make it because of your intellect. Or you make it because uh, you are, are, are well connected and you know how to network and you know how to get this and get that even though you don't have the money. So when you have attained a certain a level of status in your life, then you say, I don't need no one and I certainly don't need your Jesus. Well, guess what? You're wrong. You need Jesus. Because your money, your intellect, your skills, your networking will not be enough to pay your ticket into heaven. Oh, yeah, you may be able to uh, take a ride on SpaceX and make it out into space. But you will never have enough money to make it into heaven. Your reliance upon yourselves will be your downfall. The arrogance of wealth will cause you to stumble every time. But the question is this, right? I ask you this. So then, in what status do we enter the kingdom of God? In what status do we enter the kingdom of God? Will we enter as poor, middle class, lower class, billionaires, millionaires, thousandaires, or hundredaires? How will you enter the kingdom of God? What will you be? We've heard the saying that there are never any U-Hauls connected to the hearse on the way to the cemetery. Ain't nobody taking their junk uh, when they go to meet their maker. We will have no bank accounts, no stocks, sorry to tell you, no bonds, no ATM cards, with the balance that you have to check every five minutes, right? Uh, uh, no cash, no retirement accounts, no degrees, cars, or homes. When we stand before the Lord, it will all be useless. Then who will have your junk? Now, unless you are deceived, and I don't want you to be deceived either, then what use do all of those things have for us while we're here on earth? Well, God wants to use those resources that you have, whatever they are, for his glory. Amen? God wants to use your resources, your smarts, for his glory. So the question is, how are you using your resources for the glory of God? So if this is the case, that we can't take all of our junk with us into heaven, how can we enter the kingdom of God? And the answer is that we can't without Jesus Christ. That the deal, that it first must be closed before we make that transition. It's, it's kind of like watching, uh, if you've seen Shark Tank on television, right? All the sharks with all the money, 
and then you come in with your product, whatever it may be, let's say an ink pen that, I don't know, that you can stretch out and, and nail nails in the ceiling, but it's this size, right? And you go to the sharks, you say, here's my great idea, and I want to, uh, uh, I'll give you 5% for $1 million of my company, right? Which is a pretty expensive company, right? And they say, okay, the first one says, well, you need to make a deal with me. I really see the value in that, and I see where we can go with this, and we're going to fly high, we're going to fly high. And then you say, well, uh, I want to hear what somebody else has to say, if that's okay with you. And they say, you know what they say, right? No, it's not okay with me. Uh, you make the deal now with me. And uh, they say, well, uh, all, all due respect, I want to go ahead and, and check this deal out with someone else. So they go to the next person. They say, you know what? That's a bad deal. I don't want nothing to do with that. And they go back to the first person. You say, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm sorry. I will take that deal. They said, nope, not interested. See, this is what this eternal life is about, that we must close the deal now because when, it's, uh, when we make that transition from life into death, into life, then what happens is it is too late that once we die, we become, we become just like the angels that fell. There is no way back to heaven. Make your decision today. So the whole point is to understand that the kingdom entrance begins the moment one is born from above. This is what Jesus offered Nicodemus. It happens from the moment that we trust in Christ. So the kingdom of God is when? Now. So if you know Jesus Christ, you are in the kingdom of God. It is Jesus who makes the impossibility of entering the kingdom a possibility. So the kingdom of God is now. Uh, but the kingdom of God is also not yet. You see, uh, there's a time when Jesus will come again, right? Uh, we, uh, when we had communion earlier, we realized that in the passage there in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Jesus, he clearly said that you are to do these things. You are to have this cup that represents his blood and, 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 and the bread that represents his body. He says, to do this until when? Let's try it again. That we will proclaim his death until when he comes again. Right? So when he comes again, he's going to usher in uh, his kingdom. His disciples said there back in Matthew 19, 27, so we have left everything and follow you. What then will we have? You see, not only is it now, but it's also for time to come. There is a time when Jesus will establish his rule on this physical earth. But wait a minute, don't we, don't we hear about this earth is going to be destroyed? Yeah, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be, it's going to be fireized, right? Uh, that it, it's all going to burn up. I don't know how it's going to burn up. All I know is that it's going to burn up. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus is going to be there. And wherever Jesus is, I'm going to be, amen? Uh, so whether he renews this place after his burn, after he purifies it, uh, maybe that's the case. But whatever the case is, wherever Jesus is, if you know Jesus, that's where you will be physically. So the kingdom of God, we heard, number one, is eternal life. Number two, the kingdom of God is now and not yet. But also here's the third and final one for today. The kingdom of God calls and makes a demand. The kingdom of God, it is calling, he is calling, and he's making a demand on us. Matthew 4, 
verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, and he said to them, verse 19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, and he called them. Verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Right? So what Jesus is saying, he says that when the kingdom of God calls upon you, that your response should be, yes, Lord, here I am, take me. Many of us, when we hear God calling, it is, again, as we heard before, let me just go ahead and give you an arm's length. Jesus, when he calls, he calls to come and follow him. It is not a suggestion. We notice in the passage, he does not say, well, you know what, when you get good and ready, when you finally think that uh, you're ready to come, then you can come and follow me. That's the fascinating thing about Jesus, how he makes a demand on us. And that's the one thing that we experience oftentimes when we hear the call of God. We know that God is calling because our hearts are bearing witness to him. We know this is God. And we're trying to figure out what's going on inside of me. Why, am, why is my heart burning inside of me? Because God is calling you. Calling you. So the question is, what will you do? Will you submit to the demand of God or will you again reject it? The call and the demand of the kingdom, it takes full priority. Your life revolves around his kingdom and the kingdom does not revolve around your life. You see, I'll say it again. Your life revolves around his kingdom, and the kingdom does not revolve around your life. What, what, what do I mean by that? Simply say this. Every time that you tell God, when you know God is calling you, uh, you tell him, wait a minute. Right? The kingdom revolves around your life. Every time that you tell God, not yet, the kingdom revolves around your life, and then you die. The kingdom of God demands your full attention. The kingdom of God does not deserve the leftovers from your day. Listen to what Acts says of Paul. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So your, your, your calling or, or God's demand in your life may not be exactly as it was here. But the demand is never less the same. Jesus speaks as the anointed authority to you today. 
Will your eyes and your ears finally be open? Or will the kingdom continue to be a matter of mystery to you? God wants you to live in and for his kingdom. He's calling you to commit today. So as I end this message, here it is. I'm not asking you to make a choice. I'm telling you to come. If this is you, however God is speaking to you, you come now. Stand up and you walk down this aisle. Is there someone that God is calling right now? I'm not asking. God is simply calling you to follow him. Is there one? Is there one? Well, why can't you be nice? Why can't you be like one of those Gentile, gentle preachers? Well, that's not me. God is calling you to come now. Will you come now?